Young business leaders, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 118. Uh, welcome back. We're uh, rocking and rolling with the uh, podcast again. Hopefully, we can kind of keep the content flowing for you uh, as I really enjoy doing these, and hopefully, you're enjoying uh, tuning in and catching up with uh, kind of what's going on in the leadership world, what's going on in my world and uh, my guest worlds. Uh, speaking of guests, my guest today is Phil Jackson, uh, and Phil, I'm going to actually have him introduce himself and talk about some of the exciting things that he's done uh, kind of leading up to this point, and we'll dive into uh, some of the things he's doing currently. So, Phil, if you don't mind, say hello to the audience and tell them a little bit more about yourself. Absolutely. What is up, everybody? Uh, my name is Philip Jackson. I am the pastor to young adults and associate pastor at Evergreen Church in Bixby. Um, we, uh, we're a pretty good sized church. We, we run about uh, 1,200 people. And um, so my, uh, my professional backstory, uh, I started swinging a hammer as a carpenter's apprentice in high school. And uh, studied the trade for a number of years. And then uh, I spent 11 years total as a remodel contractor. Seven of those 11 I spent as a business owner. I had a small construction company. I specialized in uh, custom cabinets and uh, trim. And so I, I built furniture, things like that. Wow. Uh, specialized in, in kitchens and bathroom remodel. And uh, so in, uh, let's see, about eight years into my career, I uh, felt like God was calling me into government. And so uh, I walked into Roger State University with uh, a wife and two kids. I got married super young, got married at 18. Um, my wife was 19. We have two daughters. They're, they're 11 and 13 now. But um, walked into Roger State University with a family and no way to pay for school and a business and said, God's calling me into government and I need to know three things. I need to know how to communicate. I need to understand how public budgets work and I need to, to uh, be able to navigate public policy. Can you help me do that? And so they said, yes, we have a degree here in public administration. And so uh, I, uh, I rolled up my sleeves and went to work and went back to school full time uh, while managing my business and uh, got a degree in public administration. I majored in uh, public policy and governmental finance and uh, got, a, got a, a minor in corporate communications. And so that led me into the government world, uh, volunteered on a lot of different campaigns. And in uh, 2013, my senior year, I had one semester left, I was approached by a gentleman who was the chief of staff uh, for um, for Steve Largent whenever he was in Congress, and um, him and another another uh, woman activist lady down in Durant, uh, and they we uh, kind of locked elbows uh, and started a company together uh, to do campaign consulting. And the first client that we signed was Jim Bridenstine, mm -hmm. the new, new congressman to Tulsa, and uh, so. That started me on a political trajectory, and in 2014, uh, the first cycle, uh, we did seven races from state house up to statewide, and a uh, bunch of different stuff. And God delivered victories in every race. Wow. Uh, we kind of were the 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 hot thing for a minute, and um, so by the time that I left campaigns in 2016, uh, I had experience doing tribal elections uh, through the reelection of the chief of the Choctaw Nation, and. Uh, my last political project was for Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. I was uh, the regional director for his super PAC. I managed the boots on the ground for Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. And so um, did a lot of political things, uh, did a lot of uh, business stuff. It's interesting. I tell my, uh, my kids that uh, when you live your life obedient to Christ, when people see you, they'll see a turtle on a fence post. Everybody will wonder uh, how in the world you got there, and they'll know that you didn't get there by yourself. <laughs> so... 
that's uh, that's been my career. And so now I am 33 years old. Uh, been working for 17 years. It seems like, yeah, 17 years uh, professionally, and um, I'm in my third career. So here I am. That's a little bit about me. Oh man. Well, first of all, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to that. Uh, said that they were called into politics. That was, <laughs> that's definitely not something that you, uh, you would think would be something that would just be burning on somebody's heart, but obviously there was something there because you saw success in it. And I would, I would venture to say that you were passionate about it too. Cause I don't think you can get those kinds of results just kind of, you know, going through the motions. That's right. You know, and, and that's the thing that, uh, you really hit on something that's important is that we think that, uh, that success, especially in the political world, everything is driven by marketing and, and all about the words that you speak. And the truth is that my my, my uh, professional experience is pretty simple, is that in uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that if you seek first the, his kingdom, uh, all these things will be added to you. And the, I have really seen that in my career, um, that when you are consistent in the small things, the, the big stuff tends to just grow. And... Um, it's been pretty incredible to see God move. And I still think of myself as a trim carpenter from Claremore, Oklahoma. Um, and it's just kind of cool to see, see the world from the fence post that I'm sitting on right now. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get that analogy out of my head. <laughs> you know, it's good. It's good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great because it just, it, I, I've, I've seen stuff like that and you're just like, I, I don't know how it happened, but there it is. So something happened, but yeah. it, I think it perfectly relates to kind of what you're talking about is, you know, seeking first God and letting God kind of direct that stuff. And then all of a sudden you're in these situations where you're pointing back to maybe where you are now. And you're saying, listen, it, it was not me. There was, there was very little that I had to do with this other than being faithful. And like you said, those little things. And now the, the, the place that I'm at, the things that I've been, been able to accomplish are much larger than I could have ever dreamed. Not because my uh, capacity to dream is not that big. It's just, I didn't, I didn't know necessarily the plan that I had for myself or what, what God's plan was for me. And just by being faithful in those little things, I'm able to get to this whole new level. Uh, and I think for the purpose of being able to point back and say, because of him. That's right. That's right. And, and that's the thing is that you, one of the things that I've learned about leadership over the, over the years in my career is that, um, you know, when you cling to humility, it says in James chapter four, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you take humility and you embrace it, and that becomes a central part of who you are, um, it's amazing what, what can happen whenever you take your hands off the steering wheel and let God, uh, handle and take care of the outcome. Um, you can get there. And if you, if you focus on staying humble, and doing what you need to do, uh, it's amazing what the results can uh, can happen. You know, uh, talking about humility, I think really kind of leads in a little bit to um, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast was talking about the building dads thing. Um, so I've I've known you several years now through the Bridenstine campaign and through some of the consultations that are or, or consulting that you had done over there. And um, I was a little shocked when I saw you walk away from that just because of the success that you had. Uh, but I wanted to kind of stay tuned. I wanted to kind of see, you know, what you were going to be up to in your next steps. And obviously, uh, it sounds like you're in a, in a great place of, of helping other people through the church. But when you're, uh, when I was able to kind of see some of the things you were doing, I saw this building dads thing and, and, uh, I'm a dad. So I have a, a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. So pretty close proximity to you, although you've kind of crested the teenage years. So I'm sure I'll be asking you for advice here soon, <laughs> but, um, what I was really uh, kind of intrigued by was you're incorporating your kids 
into these building projects. And I think the first thing that I saw was like something that you're like some cutting boards that you were building to raise money. But then Mm -hmm. I saw it was much more than that, where you're actually helping your community. And there's a lot more behind that. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to talk about where the idea came for that came from that. And I'll, I'll circle it back into humility in the sense that um, my kids and and me up until a couple of years ago, usually would say, I have all the answers. I know it all. You don't need to show me how to do this. I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And I don't feel like you can be a good leader or you can be a good um, student if you don't have humility and being willing to accept that you don't have all the answers. And so I love how you've kind of taken this role of teaching your kids through carpentry and through doing these projects, ultimately humility in the sense that they're a student now and they're learning how to learn, they're learning how to help other people, and they're learning how to impact their community. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And that's the thing. You've hit on something that's really crucial for leadership is that when you begin, when you think that you have everything figured out, the moment that you become unteachable is the mm-hmm. moment you become irrelevant. That's, that's the truth about uh, the, the world that we live in and the way it's just, goes, again, it goes back to what God's word says, that God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. And, and so building dads is one of those things that is really near and dear to my heart and, and for a couple of reasons. The first is that uh, when I was in the trade, I started swinging a hammer when I was 16 years old and started by sweeping the floor in the shop. And um, there were some older gentlemen, they were in their 50s, that took me under their wing and they really taught me what it meant, not just to build stuff, but really how to interact with other men, how to be a man, how to conduct yourself with honor when it comes to customers and, and how to have good business practices and how to, to be honest. And uh, I, I'll never forget the, the guy that, uh, that first mentored me. His name is Russell Judd. He's still in I practice today. He still builds stuff um, in, in the Claremore area. And I noticed that uh, on Monday, he'd come back to work and he would be talking about how he went to this town on this weekend or did that project or this over the weekend. And I, I remember asking him, I said, Russ, what are you, you guys doing a side hustle? Like these guys had their own businesses. I said, mm-hmm. so what are you doing? And he said, well, no, God's given me a skill. He's given me tools to be able to utilize that skill. And so I make my money Monday through Friday, but on Saturday, I utilize those gifts for the kingdom. And it introduced this thought to me uh, of, I have a responsibility. Each of us has been prepared and been equipped with certain uh, certain skills. And so, yeah, we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to make a living and we're supposed to create a life for our, for our family and provide. Uh, but the truth is that every skill that we, that we receive, that someone else has entrusted in us and developed in us. So every skill that we've been that has been invested in us, we've got a responsibility to then turn back around and invest that in someone else. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's been several years since I've been in the trade, or at least at least since I have had to use my my carpentry skills to pay the bills. And um, and so I started looking for ways like how can I uh, utilize these projects around the house that need to be done anyway, but use it as an excuse to spend time with my kids because it's amazing the things that you can learn and the, and the, the word pictures that doing things like this does, you know, if you, if you consider like, for instance, a tape measure, mm-hmm. that a tape measure is consistent. The thing about building things, you need a tape measure because you have to have a standard. Okay. Well, as far as life applications, what's the standard? Well, let's talk about God's word being the standard. It's the, it's the, the tape measure of our lives to make sure that things are built according to the way that they're designed to be built. So things like that. So anyway, we, we, um, started to pray through that, me and a couple of guys from my church, and look for ways that we could 
turn around and use those opportunities to then invest in younger guys, guys that you wanted to learn how to swing a hammer and do different skilled things, but also they wanted coaching in the real things in life, in mm-hmm. fatherhood and in, in being a husband and being able to take care of their family on a spiritual level. And so we created this ministry through our church called Building Dads. And, and, and the premise is pretty simple. We have guys that want to learn. We have guys that know how to teach and know how to do the work. And we have widows and single moms who have needs that need to be taken care of, but they don't have anybody that can do that for them. And so we utilize those projects as a way to, uh, as an excuse to spend time together, really. Mm-hmm. And so it really, it hits two or three birds with one stone. And it's pretty incredible to see how um, it takes a teachable young man, a wise older man, and a, a woman or someone who needs to be loved on and God brings those three people together and something beautiful happens. And um, it really does. And it speaks to something even, even deeper in our society in that we have a lot of division between our generations when it comes to uh, not just within uh, our politics, but also in the church. There's, there's some divisions between generations, um, not, not all over the place, but, but there are some. And what this does is it acts as a catalyst to be able to bridge those that divide. And I have seen a 25-year-old dad uh, connect with a widow, and that widow then connects to him and his children and his wife. And now all of a sudden, we have these generations bonded together, and it's not about the project. Mm-hmm. It's, about, it's about the common experience of doing life together. And that's the beautiful thing about building dads, that, uh, that I didn't see it in its full uh, development. But God has kind of unwrapped that for me one layer at a time, and it's been pretty cool to watch it happen. Well, I love how you're taking kind of the idea of that the skills are even not your own. The skills, there's a responsibility tied with the things that that you have, and then ultimately passing those along. I'm by no means a carpenter, um, but I'm starting to kind of uh, enjoy watching, especially like joinery and some of like the actual furniture craftsmanship and like actually know what craftsmanship means. And I think those, some of those skills are skills that are kind of dying right now because everything is, you know, manufactured or, or uh, made with, you know, all different kinds of materials and those kinds of things. And I feel like getting down to the, the core belief of I'm going to build something, but I'm going to build something that lasts and I'm going to build it well. And then the pride that, be, that that comes, not not like an arrogant pride, but like the fulfillment of knowing that you've built something and you've built it well and you've taken the time to do it. Yeah, you could easily put a couple of screws into something and and, and join something together. But when you've actually taken the time to, to meld those wooden pieces together and then um, it's probably even stronger than if you had actually used screws, but on the other side of it, now you're teaching. So now you're, now you're showing your kids and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm technically a young dad and definitely, uh, some of the people listening to this podcast are going to be young dads. And I think some of the, the, the challenges that we have is like, I don't know how to relate to my kids. I don't know how, like I have boys, so it's a little bit easier for me, but even if uh, you, you have two girls, you're mm-hmm. able to relate to them through things that you're passionate about. And I would venture to say, they just want to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to be, uh, they want to, they want to learn from you. Um, you're modeling for them uh, what a, a father should look like, what a husband should look like. And so the, this is creating an opportunity for you to really impart a lot of wisdom uh, and a lot of love to them uh, through something that you're passionate about. And then when you intersect that with helping other guys and helping the community, um, 
there's got to be just a ton of fulfillment in that because uh, when you're doing something like that, you're passionate about it. I'm sure you're looking forward to Saturdays, uh, to connecting with people, and you're wanting to engage more people with it because, you know, when we're operating in our strengths and we're operating in our passions and we know the work that we're doing is making a difference, um, I, f- I feel like life is completely different. Mm. I feel like you live a life full of gratitude. You live a life with joy and you don't have to numb your life. You don't have to do other things to uh, get through the week. Now you have uh, you have things to look forward to that are actually driving you. Uh, and when you have that drive and you have that passion, you're a better person and the people around you are better people. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And that's the thing about uh, the culture of a building dad. I, I've, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things out there that, that have uh, contributed to to me as a, as a dad and as a as a craftsman and also as a man and a leader is you know the majority of things that our kids pick up they're not taught they're actually caught with a mm-hmm. seat and uh, that's one of the things the one of the hardest lessons for me to learn in my journey as being a dad and being a, a leader is is the idea that I cannot give what I don't have. And uh, for me, it comes down to there's a, there's a proverb in, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23, my favorite verse in the whole Bible. And it says this, it says, protect your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And basically the premise is that who you are on the inside is going to come out. Jesus talked about this, how, how uh, you are eventually, how can you tell if someone is an honest teacher or not by the fruit of their life? Mm-hmm. It's not what goes into a person that defiles them, but it's what comes out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes to being a dad, I've, I was just reading the other day in the book of John and Jesus gives this, this word picture. And he says, I'm the good shepherd and the sheep know me. They know my voice and I know them by name. And he compares himself to the hired hand. And he says, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for my sheep. But the hireling, the hireling is there out of obligation. So if you, if you consider this, there's two kinds of dads. There's two kinds of men, right? Mm-hmm. There's the dad who's there because he's obligated to be there. He, this is the hireling. This is the hired hand. He's there, and when the wolf comes, he runs away, and the sheep scatter. When, when the hireling walks into the pen, the sheep scatter because they don't know him. This is the dad who comes home after work, and he, craps, he cracks a brew. He sits on the couch. He checks out. He watches the game. He doesn't talk to his kids. He doesn't talk to his wife. He reacts to his surroundings. Every, he's there because it's a job. And he doesn't want to be a bad dad. So what does he do? He waits until his kids are in high school. Then all of a sudden, okay, cool. Now you're a man-sized person. Now I can try to relate to you. But he's missed it. Mm-hmm. But if you consider what Jesus said, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And in, uh, in 1 Peter, no, I'm sorry, in Ephesians, it says, it says, husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church and to give himself up for the church. Think about that in the picture of Jesus. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I give my life for my sheep. Jesus as the good shepherd, me as the husband, me as the father, as a good shepherd, I should be so familiar with my children that when I walk into a room and when my when I am present, they are at peace. They are at, they are calm. They understand that there's security there. But but that comes from the root of a godly lifestyle. What you are in private is what will eventually come out in public. And this whole idea of being a building dad is that we have to, number one, be a teachable man and be humble, but also we have to provide opportunities because we understand that our children, by sheer quality time and quantity time, they are going to pick things up from us about how to live their lives. That's why it's so important for us to be careful about the things that we do when we're, when we're by ourselves, 
we don't do certain things not because we're better than other people. We don't do certain things because we understand that they're planting things in our soul and eventually that's going to grow and come out. And so like the thing about the building dad's stuff and being a dad is that you have to remember, and this is true for leadership too, mm -hmm. that, you know, I heard it said that, uh, you know, in the Bible, it talks a lot about fruit. Fruit is basically the, the byproduct of how you're living your life. Mm -hmm. So when the world bumps up against you, what kind of fruit's going to fall out? You know, if you're, if you're a, an apple tree and the world bumps up against you, are apples going to fall out? Is godly stuff going to fall out? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Are these the things that are going to come out of you? Or when the world bumps up against you, is it going to be selfish ambition or lies? Or is it going to be pride? Is it going to be things that, are, that are gonna, you're going to be watching out for number one? You know, this is the nature of being a building dad is that we understand that men and women, our boys and our girls are made in the shop. Mm -hmm. Who they are going to be as a human being is caught. It's not taught. Well, there, there's a lot there. And I thank you for sharing that because I, I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, hey, kids, let's go into the uh, garage right now. We're going to go build a birdhouse. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so if anything, we're inspiring a lot of people. But uh, one of the things as you were talking about that kind of uh, made me reflect a little bit on one of the uh, things that you had on Facebook uh, where you said something to the effect of uh, if you want to be a part of uh, a big decision in your kid's life later on, you need to be there for the little ones. And I think that that's a really important part of what you're talking about is spending that time and helping them being interested in them now. Because like you said, if you're mm -hmm. uh, acting as a, a dad, like it's a job and you try to relate to them when it's too late, you haven't invested any time. You have no influence in their life. Maybe you have your a, a father by blood, but not by relationship. And it's because you've kind of checked out for part of that. That's why it's so important right now to spend that time with those kids, teaching them, talking to them. And especially for guys, like I think if there's a project for us to do, like guys hone in on that and there's community in that. If it's just getting mm -hmm. together to talk, I, I don't think guys would do that. They just, it's just, that's not our nature. We have to have a goal. We have to have a purpose for something to do. And you do that and they're going to show up. I, I think that's why you see a lot of guys get involved in coaching their kids or you get, you see a lot of guys that go watch a game or, or they, they go to an event. That's when their community happens is when there's something else happening. And then mm -hmm. they, they, they talk, um, well, those things are going on, but if they were just getting together to talk, like what we're doing right here, this is this is the abnormal. This is not the normal. Right. But I think this right. is something that we need more uh, than anything else because a lot of times, especially as leaders, uh, I feel like we we get on these islands, we get alone, um, where we we feel like we're the only ones going through this, and and then we, we're in a situation where we haven't built the relationships with uh, even guys and our, our friends or mentors or whoever else so that when you're in those challenging parts you have nobody to share it with you don't have that relationship of uh, that band of brothers that you can trust with you know man i'm, I'm struggling here I, I need some help and i think that that's just as important in 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 building those relationships with your with your peers and with other dads but then also uh with your kids the other thing i was thinking about when, when you were talking was the importance of your children seeing you fail um, and that seems uh, counterproductive, but I think it's it, it's something that struck me a couple years ago that if I'm always modeling to my kids that whatever I do is right, I never make a mistake, I have all the answers, and and I and I I know everything, 
then that's what they're going to think that they have to be. And one of two things is going to happen. One, they're going to th- feel that they're inadequate because they, they don't have all the answers or they're never going to ask or try to learn the answers. And so they're not going to have humility going into it. And there's going to be this pride and there's going to be um, this unteachability that happens with them. But on the other side of it, they're never going to take any risks because they don't want to fail. They don't want to fail um, in front of you. They don't want to get embarrassed. And I think if they see you fail and see that it's okay, like even if it's just a small project, you know, Hey, we tried to build this thing and it fell apart or only lasted a day, or maybe we completely ruined it. Oh, you know, Oh, well life goes on. I think it's just as important for, for kids to see a successful project as it is for them to see a, a project where they fail. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. And that's that's the thing that's missing in our Instagram world is that we try to we try to package everything to where mom always looks great, dad always looks like he's he's with it, you know, everybody's perfect, it's all framed and good. Think about the things that you're teaching your kids. Like it comes down to, you know, Russell, that same guy that taught me a long time ago, he said the test of a good carpenter is not how good he does it the first time. Mm-hmm. It's how well he covers his mistakes. Exactly. Right behind that piece of trim, there's a there's a screw <laughs> up in the wall, but we covered it up and we makes it looks good, right? And that's the thing when it comes to with parenting and just being a leader in general is that you know the the, the phrase readers are leaders. Mm-hmm. You have to be teachable. You have to be a teachable person. And whenever we don't show our kids how to fail with grace, John Maxwell calls it failing forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't teach them how to do that then they're always going to be coming up short when it comes to expectations. And that's, I don't know about you, but the the hardest lessons, the most fruitful lessons I've learned in my life have come from failures. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget in 2008, I decided that I was going to, I was going to get into real estate. And so I went and bought a house without talking to my wife. I, I, I bought this, this little bitty house for $45,000. <laughs> I walked in, put the earnest, earnest money down. Uh, I walk home, you know, I get home, you know, walk in the door. Hey, how was, how was your day? It was great. You know, I bought a house today. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I decided I would do this on my own. And uh, I just failed miserably. I put, I, I think when we were all done, the house, I had 95 grand in the house. It was worth 85. Mm. <laughs> and I had to hold on to it for 10 years before I could sell it to get rid of it and try to get a little bit of that capital out and I rented it out. But the thing about it is that we have to teach our kids to fail. Mm. There's, some things, there's some things here, Evan, I want to I share with you. So for those dads that are listening, and you're questioning whether or not you need to be invested in your kids. I want I want to to share some of these statistics with you. Um, that there's a crisis in America. This is according to um, uh, the CDC. Okay, so in regards to poverty, children that grow up uh, in a fatherless home are four times the greater risk for for grow, for living in poverty when they grow up. They're more likely to have behavioral problems. They're, they have two times of a greater risk of infant mortality. Uh, they're more likely to go to prison. They're more likely to commit violent crime. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant or cause a pregnancy as a teen. They're more likely to face abuse and neglect. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. They're two times more uh, likely to suffer from obesity. They're two times more likely to drop out of high school. All of these things are directly tied to the presence of a man in their children's life. It cannot be overstated. I'm a firm believer that the future of the world is going to be determined by how men treat and own their future. The, the, the future of the world is going to be determined by men. And I don't say that because it's a man's world. I say that because it's God's design is that people follow men. They do. And there are a lot of great, wonderful uh, female leaders that are changing the world 
And I think they're awesome. I'm trying to raise two fine arrows myself, two mm -hmm. daughters, right? But I, I, I want the world to see that there is a real pencil on paper statistical impact for a, a man to be involved in his family. And it comes down to this, is that who do we want to be in the future? And it's going to be determined by the decisions that we make today as young dads, because our children are going to say, make, they're going to make decisions when it comes to raising their children and their children and their children. The decisions that you make today don't just impact today. They impact your children for generations to come. Because here's the truth, Evan, is that two generations from now, no one is going to remember your name and nobody is, is going to remember my name, not even my children, not even my own family. I can't tell you who my great-great-grandparents' names are. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know if you can, but think about it. In two generations, nobody's going to remember our names. But what they will remember, though, is to have a teachable spirit. They will remember to be humble. They will remember to be kind. They will remember to invest in others, to be able to take the talents and the gifts that people have invested in them and give them to others. Those are the things that last forever. Not our, not, not this idea of this personality that we're creating in the Instagram world. Well, if there is Instagram around, I, mean, I guess they could go in like the historical uh, archives or the library, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure they'll be able to get on my Instagram page and see how awesome I was. But no, I I, I love how you're talking about that. And um, one of the things that so I haven't really had to deal with this this much myself, but I've talked to a couple of people who talk about how they're going to be the person that changes the trajectory of their family. And uh, when you talk about family history, or you talk about, you know, my grandfather, my great grandfather. Uh, there are some people that I know that do talk about them, but they don't talk about them in the sense of how, what, what, how great they were, or the amazing things that they did. They talk about, well, he was a drunk or he was he was a criminal or, you know, my my whole family lineage has uh, has always been poor or has never gone to school or has never graduated college. And I'm going to be the person that changes that. And I think that that taking that personal responsibility of looking at maybe the past that you have, but recognizing that that does not necessarily define you. That is just kind of where you've gotten to today, but you ultimately have that decision of, of where you can go. And in your kids' like, lives, you have the ability to influence them uh, in terms of modeling and being a leader and showing them the way of what that looks like, even if it's, even if it's just trying um, to be a better person. Um, mm -hmm. you think about somebody who, uh, maybe their father wasn't present in their life and now they're a father. And so they're trying, but by, they're not super dad by any means. Well, they're changing the trajectory of their, their family. Their kid is now going to have a, a father who maybe wasn't the best, but has, is, is trying to be actively involved in their kids' lives. And, and they're going to look at that and hopefully, you know, when they get to my age or they get to the age of, you know, the people listening, you might look back now and say, you know, I recognize that my dad made some sacrifices for me, that he was, he was always there on the sideline or he was always there cheering for me. All right. I was never late to practice. You start looking at some of the, the sacrifices that they made and you just expected it then. But now you look back at that with an appreciation and said, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe they did care way more about me than I even recognized because I know that no matter what happened, they would always be there for me. And I think just having a kid know that, I think they're more willing to take risks and more willing to grow and, and, and put themselves out there if they know that, that, like you talked about earlier, that there's that peace surrounding you as a leader, as their parent, as their father, that no matter what happens, 
they're, they they know that they have your approval, uh, that you're cheering for them and that you want the best for them. And you'll come and help out however you can. You're not coddling them. I, I don't want you to go that far down the path. Mm-hmm. But I do want you to communicate to them that they have value and that value means something and that they have a purpose and that purpose means something. It has a responsibility tied to it. And whether you're communicating that through uh, through building projects and helping your community, whether it's just getting into the kitchen and helping them cook, or maybe it's you know going out and uh, working in the yard with them. A lot of kids today would gladly put down electronics and TV shows if you go outside and give them something to do. It's not it's not necessarily the thing to do, but if you're willing to go out there and do that, my kids right now. It doesn't matter what video game they're playing, what TV show they're watching. If I say, hey, I'm going to go out and play basketball, they're both out there within five seconds. Mm-hmm. And it just blows my mind when somebody, when a kid, especially when a kid say, well, I, you know, there's nothing for me to do. And you're just like, well, you know, figure something out. If you go out there with them, that's a, that when they say there's nothing to do, that's a big opportunity for you as a father uh, to get involved in your kid's life because they want to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's with you, it can be the most, like, even if it's cleaning the garage, I almost, I don't know all kids, but I think my kids, if I'm out cleaning the garage and I'm giving them projects and I'm giving them things to do, um, they just want to be a part of it. Cause they just want to be with me. They don't see me every mm-hmm. single day because I'm, you know, I'm working when they're at school and then we come home. So there's limited time that I see them. So if I can maximize that and teach something to them and accomplish a task of some kind, um, you know, I don't know that I'm, I'm going to go around cleaning other people's garages, but I will say this, um, when it snowed, which it doesn't snow in Oklahoma very often, um, my kids, uh, I, I said, Hey, you guys want to go shovel driveways? And they were just like, yeah, yeah, let's go do it. And it, it was so awesome. We went to a couple of neighborhoods. Uh, one of my kids knocked on the doors. Uh, the other one got started working right away. They earned like 60 bucks, which isn't a lot of money for us, but it's a lot of money for a kid, Yeah. but it taught, taught them work ethic. I got to talk to them about the importance of selling, how you're presenting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they have, you know, they have some spending money. They can do their, their own thing too. That was something that took some of my time. I wanted to sit inside and stay warm, but, um, you know, I had a much bigger opportunity to spend some time with them and shovel some driveways, which wasn't even that hard because there wasn't even that much snow. The funny thing was a lot of people, um, their driveway didn't really need it, but they still had the kids do it because they they love the fact that there was kids out there um, doing something with their time, being productive. And so they, they actually reinforced everything that we were doing. And in some cases, some guy, one guy just gave him 20 bucks and his driveway barely even needed to be scraped. But <laughs> that right there was just was confirmation to me that if you're modeling and you're teaching that stuff, your community will get behind you and support you as well. That's right. And, th- and to your point, something that you said there, I don't know if you caught it or not, but the thing about it is that it's the power of influence that mm-hmm. you served your sons. And as a result, they were improved by your service. Like the, the, one of the things that my, my mentor Gabe taught me was, was the power of service. So he, he's the first guy that sat me down uh, and uh, he said, I want you to define leadership. And so I started talking about all these, you know, word, the buzz phrases, right? <laughs> Leader is somebody who, you know, is sacrificial and they serve their people and all, you know, all the usual stuff. He's like, okay, that's great. Well, you said a lot of stuff about leadership, but what is it in practice? Mm-hmm. And it took me like a month. I took him two or three different de- definitions. He's like, no, that's isn't it. <laughs> no, this isn't it. 
And I was like, Gabe, you're killing me. And so finally I came to him and I said, look, okay, I've read all these books. I've done all this research, all this other stuff. Okay. It's really simple. People aren't going to follow anybody that they don't trust. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to trust anybody that they don't know. And they're not going to want to know anybody unless that person has served them. So what is leadership? Leadership is influence through service. And he was like, okay, now we're talking. <laughs> and, and to, the, to, the, to your point about your sons is that we have this superpower. Women have their own superpowers, which we could go on and on and on about how amazing they are. My wife is the, is the most incredible multitasker and just, it's just sick how crazy, how awesome she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we dads have a superpower. Men have a superpower in that we are able to, to be able to influence our kids. But the, but the thing about it though, Evan, is that I see it all the time. Guys who mail it in, they think, well, I'll talk to my kids when they're big enough to understand my big words because I'm so smart. <laughs> you know, They miss it. They miss it because when their kids get older, when they become teenagers or, or junior high, their kids have already developed. See, what, what, what they don't know about uh, psychology is that a child has developed the majority of their moral foundation by the time they reach uh, junior high. By the time they reach adolescence, they they have formulated most of their moral their moral foundation. So, if as a dad, if you're thinking that that you're going to be able to have hard discussions with your with your kids when they get to be teenagers, and you haven't put in the the groundwork back when they're two, three, four, five, six years old, I'm sorry, buddy, you missed it. You missed that fastball. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is after adolescence, those children then turn to their foundation that they have that they have established. And then they start to apply it to the real world until about the time that they're 30 years old. That's about the time when they're really testing out these theories. Like, okay, so why do we go to church? Why do we believe this? Why do we go here? Why do we do that? Why does, why does mom and dad do it this way? And because I said so, it was a terrible answer. Mm-hmm. It's because we need to teach our kids to be students. And that's the thing about it is that you saw an opportunity with your, with your boys and you turned it into an, an, a moment where you could share experience and they caught that. They, they weren't taught that. They caught that mm-hmm. from you. And kudos to you, dude, because that's, that's an amazing thing. And that's what this whole dad thing, leadership thing is about, is that when it comes to serving people, a lot of us, we, we want to have mentors in our business, in our professional life, in our career. We want to have ways that we can invest in other people in the professional sense. But where's that drive when it comes to our kids? Mm-hmm. You know, or when it comes to our wife or when it comes to our business partners or the people that we're trying to do life with, you know, a, a leader is someone who invests in other people, who's a steward of other people. You're adding value to other people and the success just comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Even in thinking about like showing the kids and teaching them and all this other stuff, I think it's important um, to also remember when you're doing that. It's, you don't just always come in with the answer. You don't always just jump in and say, here's how you do it. I think a lot of the things that I try to uh, model to my kids is how, how, are, how are you going to figure this out? Let's, let's go through the thought process. And so instead of just having the answer right then and there for them, teach them how to come to that answer. Teach them how to get to that, that destination. Because what I don't want them to do is, is I don't want them to come to me and say, either dad has all the answers, so I know this answer is wrong, so I'm not going to go talk to him about it because I already know that I'm wrong. But what I want them to do is I want to I create an environment for them that we're going to solve the problem together, even if I already know the answer. We're, we're going to solve the problem together and ultimately 
get to the same hopefully destination but we're also looking at all the other factors involved with it and i think if we can if you can teach them that hopefully when we're talking about the big decisions um they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna run to you and say hey you know i'm, I'm really conflicted on this i feel like i should do this i'm wondering why we should do that why we do this somebody said this and i don't know how i don't know if i agree with it or not but i don't really know why i believe it I want to be able to have those conversations then and build that trust and build that relationship um, and to continue to you know throw these things out to them and, and hopefully they're going to catch it. And if they do, I think they're going to be better leaders because of it. And I become a better leader, leader because of it, because now, you know, I'm I'm creating uh, a community of people that I'm empowering to do greater things that maybe than I'm even capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Phil, I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak to the audience. I love talking about this stuff, and, and I, I hope that the audience didn't tune out when we started talking about dad stuff if you're not a dad yet. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff can apply over to your the leadership that you have and the influence that you have and recognizing that you have influence across many different platforms, many different uh, social groups, many different things beyond your whatever career you have. Uh, and so look at those opportunities to continue to grow as a leader and to continue to teach as a leader. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to my audience. This is something that I ask all of all of my guests to do as we're kind of closing things out. And I, I really want to kind of see what your message is to young business leaders. We've, we've talked a little bit about who they are, uh, who's, who's tuning in, who's listening. They're, they're, they're in their, you know, early twenties, mid thirties, they're finding themselves in this leadership role. And is, this is really your opportunity to kind of talk to that younger version of yourself. So what would you say your message is to young business leaders? Oh man, to speak to my 22 year old self, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a, a task. Okay. So couple of life rules here. Number one, be humble. It's one thing to say you're humble. It's a whole other thing to be humble. That's built on serving other people. Mm -hmm. Do that. Cling to humility and never let it go because understand that God's word is true. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Think about that. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's tied to uh, the truth that, that you are not important. Other people are important. Always put other people above yourself. And the most important thing I could tell anybody is that simple truth in Proverbs 4.23. Protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Understand that what you plant in your soul will grow, and it will reproduce itself exponentially. And so what you put in yourself, the, the media that you consume, the, the food that you consume, the relationships that you consume, all of these things, they impact your life. Understand that what you plant in your soul, it will grow and it will bear fruit and it will reproduce itself exponentially. Find positive people to be around. Find people that are going to be fellow learners that are going to challenge you to be more and to do more. Find people that are going to hold you accountable, the people that you can hold accountable. Find real people. Surround yourself with genuine people who want you to succeed. The world is full of posers, full of uh, business card ninja that just want to swap, swap cards they want to quote unquote connect, circle back, just wanted to run things these by you. Don't be that guy. Be genuine, be real, and connect with people. Be a pursuer of hearts. Be a person that is invested in other people and understand that what you plant in yourself will grow. And if your true goal is to see genuine people succeed, you will find yourself surrounded by those same types of people. And guess what? You will succeed. And it won't be fake. It'll be 
driven by a humble spirit, and it's going to push you into success. You don't have to grab it or throw elbows or cut anybody to get there. Be genuine, be humble, be smart. Well, thanks, Phil. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, tell people how do they connect with Building Dads? How do they find you? How do they follow along and, and maybe get involved? Yeah, yeah. So we're on Facebook and on Instagram. You can find the Building Dads page. Uh, it's Facebook uh, forward slash Building Dads or uh, on Instagram. It's at Building Dads. My Instagram handle is the Building Dad, uh, or you can search me Philip A. Jackson, Philip with one L. I spell it like Jesus spells it. Uh, <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook or on uh, Instagram. So uh, feel free to uh, to connect with me there. Those are the two platforms that I use the most. Awesome. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast.